0: Welcome to Ars Arcanum, an exploration of Brandon Sanderson's Cosmere setting. I'm Nora, I'm joined by Mark.
1: Hi, I'm Mark.
0: And Autumn. Hi! Uh, anybody read anything? I read a little bit of something. I read a lot of something, not for this podcast. What did you read? Seventeen Chapters of the Last Command by Timothy Zahn. Someday you will not read Star Wars books. No. Okay, fair enough. Mark, how about you?
1: Um... I did read something, it's like not fantasy or science fiction at all, um, but I read uh, the first volume of A Bride Story, which is a manga um, about, it's set in like uh, 19th century Central Asia, and it's about this young woman who, you know, um, leaves uh, her like home village to go get married. Uh, and it's all, it. it's basically just, um, about, like, the home life of this, you know, uh, s- this, like, Central Asian family, and, like, it's about her, uh, shooting some rabbits so she can make some rabbit stew and, like, uh, incredibly detailed fabrics, and, like, this... <laughs> this grumpy woodcarver who kind of gets his arm twisted into making a bunch of little charms for all the kids in the family and i don't know it's good it's cute um it i I, if you're like if you go looking online for like what are good manga with beautiful art it's probably one of the first ones or not one of the first ones but it's one that you'll see mentioned
2: yes so. i this is like the thing that i most know bright story for uh is just like having the good art you know
1: it's really in fucking much, good art. <laughs>
2: in much the same way that I think, like, um, I really love Witch Hat Atelier, and I love the story of it, but, um, if I was gonna tell you why you should read Witch Hat Atelier, it's because it's got, like, the most beautiful art I've ever seen. Yeah. You know? Um. Yeah. Bride Story is also just, like, fucking gorgeous.
1: It is. It really is. It's I have li- not read
2: it, but I've seen, like, pages and stuff.
1: Yeah. It's a little... <sighs> I feel like I should maybe mention the actual kind of like maybe the the premise which I haven't mm-hmm. quite stated cuz I mean the thing that the book is actually about like I said is just kind of like depicting like the the visuals and the day to day of this of this culture of this historical period um but if you had to say like oh what is the like first thing that happens I guess in the story um or like the the one sentence like premise it's that um the the like main character, the bride that I mentioned uh when she gets to the family that she's marrying into uh it it's like surprise. it's a surprise to discover that um her new husband is twelve years old and she's twenty, and it's like I say that and it makes it sound like the creepiest shit ever um but it's really not because the her marrying into this family is really her like joining this household much more than it is like specifically her now having like a Mm -hmm. i don't know it's hard to like make that sound better (laughs) but i really don't think i really don't think it's as creepy as that sounds like it should be
0: um Mm -hmm.
1: and you know i think it being uh set in the 19th century helps a little bit uh yeah but I did feel like I should maybe mention that, because if you're, yeah, like... Yeah, totally. I can definitely imagine that being just, like, a straight-up deal-breaker for someone, and I couldn't blame them. Um.
0: Right. Um, So we didn't read anything. I said a, a minute ago that I read a little bit of something. I mean, I read a little bit of something. I started the
2: Evangelion manga. Well, I, I wanted to talk before. about the thing that I read a little bit what of. What did you
0: read a little bit of?
2: Um, I... So, um... Partially out of a sense of, like, ah, because of, like, how hellish work has been, um, I have not, like, mentioned anything I read on the, on Ars Arcanum in a little while, so like, last night I kind of stayed up for a little bit and just, like, tried to read something just so I would have something to talk about. Um, <clears throat> and I read, um, the first volume of, uh, Monster by Naoki Urasawa. Um yeah is fucking good. It's really fucking good. Uh, I've got 17 more of these. So, like... It, so, for people who are not familiar, Monster is a manga about a um, surgeon in... This first volume starts uh, before the Berlin Wall falls um, and ends, um, like, sometime after the wall falls. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I think, 95 or 96, maybe. Um, I don't know, I don't know how much more time skipping is gonna happen throughout the series, but, um, and it is about a surgeon in West Germany, a Japanese surgeon who has traveled to West Germany, um, who gets sort of caught up in the, um, who sort of, like, idealistically wants just to, um, like, take care of patients. Like, that is what he wants, and he is constantly being told by, like, the people above him that... Hospitals are, like, part of the political world, and, um, being a doctor is not about, um, is not about, um, taking care of patients. It's about, like, you know, political maneuvering. Um, and he sticks to his ideals and, like, loses a lot of, uh, (sighs) loses a lot on his career path, and then, uh... This is sort of a separate plot line that gets tangled up into the plot line I was just talking about. There's a murder mystery going on. There's two children who went missing and are probably murdering people. um he they're they he saved one of their lives and um like basically the sort of more politically motivated doctors at the um hospital like undermined how he was treating them. And he was like, this is a really bad idea. And then after they did that, um, the two kids like ran away. And then you time skip forward to mysterious murders that are definitely connected to, <laughs> um, whatever is going on with Tenma. Um, so excited to see how that unfolds. Um, it also just made me think about I, I mentioned, um, well, I was gonna, I was gonna pivot. So if either of you had anything to say about Monster, go for it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, um, I feel like I want to mention Because we were just talking up the art in A Bride's Story Monster also has fantastic art But in a totally yes. different way Because it's not like Monster's art is not like lavish and beautiful um, It It's kind of
2: <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing Because Nora had um, Google Images open To look at Bride's Story stuff And then she just typed in Monster And got a bunch of Monster <laughs> energy cans <laughs>
1: God, someone has to have done fucking, like, art of Johan holding a monster energy can. Oh my god. I don't know if you even know, I mean, Johan is the name of one of the children, but I don't know if you have any I, I, th-
2: I was like, I was pretty sure that was the name of one of the children, but then I had to remember, like, it's not one of the doctors, right? It's one of the children. No, it's so. one of the
1: children. You probably don't, so yeah, you have, like, no idea. The description you just gave of monster is, um, not, I mean, it- you're absolutely right, that's what, like, the first volume is about. Bunch yes. of other shit happens later in the comic. I'm sure you're yes, shocked to I learn know, that.
2: I know that there is a more of a horror and noir bent as things go along. So Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, uh. there's already, like, the possibility of creepy twins murdering people, so you've got some horror stuff going on, but... Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I don't want to, like, spoil you on Monster or whatever. I watched the anime years ago, and i really really loved it um i guess it was actually one of the first anime that i watched the entirety of um but i really ought to and i've read chunks of the manga i should probably read the whole manga at some point because Mm -hmm. um the anime my understanding is like a very kind of straight adaptation of the manga um including the art style which is which is impressive because a lot of times art Artists like Urasawa who have, like, very distinctive manga styles when they get adapted into anime, sometimes it gets kind of flattened out. Right. Um, but but I guess, I mean, the thing is, what I was trying to say about the art of Monster is that it's not, like, lush and beautiful. And it's not like um, you're going to, like, look at a page and be like, oh, my God, this is such a visual treat. But it's, like, extremely powerful, effective comics. Like, the characters' yes. faces communicate very strongly the type of people they are, and, and the kind of things that they're going through. There's so many, like, images of Dr. Tenma looking just fucking harrowed.
0: Yes. <laughs> yes.
1: And it's really good. And also, like, like uh, all The, the very people-
2: first time that someone has a conversation with him about, like, you're going to cease research on your current thesis so you can, like, do something for my political machinations. There's just, like, it's just, like, this person will give a line and then cut to Tenma just looking, like, dejected, and then another line and him looking more dejected, and then another line and him just, like, totally just, like, horrified and giving up on, you know.
1: Yeah. And, and like, the... You know, it's not just the faces, it's, like, the way of depicting the world is very kind of stark. Because mm-hmm. it is it is this story about, like, a, a, a time and a place that, you know, as you've been saying, is, is very... I don't know, is very fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> like... West Germany in the 80s, fucked up place to be. Yeah, um, exactly. And, uh, yeah, um, also, like, very few of the characters are attractive at all.
2: Yes, yes.
1: Uh, everyone has, like, these kind of, um, very square or very bulbous faces, and it's just, yes. like, in a weird way, it's it's extremely refreshing in manga, where, like, it yes. feels like everyone has to be beautiful. It,
0: I saw a couple of panels that reminded me a little bit of Ito. Yeah. It, it, G, oh, G, G, G Ito. yeah,
2: okay. Yeah, I was I, thinking Ito is a title of something, not a name. Sorry. Yeah, no, no, you're good. You're I good. guess
0: Ito's probably not his last name, is it? No, no, no. Ito
2: would be... His first name. Is probably his family name. So, oh, okay. his his um, first name and what you would refer to him as if you didn't know him. You know. Okay.
1: 'Cause what I some.
2: Hmm. I don't know I it, it's so many some it's so confusing how some people will get you know Americanized um yeah uh, Ito is his family name. yeah Ito so. is, okay.
1: yeah, because I, I was thinking like I know for example that Urasawa is the family name of the artist who is usually referred to in English as Naoki Urasawa. I think yeah. most manga artists, when people talk about them in English they they flip it and put the family name second most of the time. I'm yeah. sure there's specific yeah. ones where people don't do that yeah. for some reason, because it always has to be confusing.
0: Right. Yoko Taro managed to fool all the gamers into saying it correctly. <laughs> <laughs> um. Um. But yeah, so... But yeah, you mentioned the, the faces, and I was just thinking of some of the weird faces from some panels of, like, Tomie. I like, should I should read Uzumaki. I've never you, read anything you, by Ito. Me, there might be some spiders in there. I should maybe read
2: some of the short stories. There's
0: definitely a mosquito chapter. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if there's a spider.
2: Okay. I, I will keep that in mind.
0: Um, but yeah,
2: like kind of tying into what you were saying about uh, a Monster Mark, and also like a thing that I, I mentioned reading maybe on here, maybe on Gotham, I don't know. I read it a couple weeks back, and I was like, oh, that was like, enjoyable and interesting um was understanding comics and i kind of like i kind of like read it and then didn't think about it much and then as i was reading monster last night i was like oh no understanding comics is like infected my brain and so now <laughs> i like see through everything um one of the things that um mcleod talks about in there is sort of like um the ways in which comic books um in different ways, in different, like, genres and in different, like, cultures will mix, like, sort of, like, cartoony, like, um, sort of iconic, um, like, simplified, uh, ways of expressing things, and then, like, you know, realism, and Urasawa does, like, a very interesting way of, like, um, making- the faces are super expressive- um, I don't I don't think they're, like, realistic. I think they're very, like, expressive and, like, exaggerated and um, simplified. And then sometimes when he wants you to be focusing on what that face is expressing, there will be just, like, a white background or, like, maybe, like, a black background with, like, some white accents to, like, sort of emphasize, like, oh, this character is shouting right now. Um, and then other times... You'll like flip the page and it'll be like just a car driving in rain and it is the most lovingly rendered car and rain you'll ever see in your fucking life. It's just like fucking like or like like one of the very first pages is like a shot of like um, Dr. Tenma like operating on a heart. And it's just like the most like realistic like graphic depiction of like cutting open a person's chest Um and yeah, like I just, I read Understanding Comics and now I'm like, oh, I'm noticing these things. And I'm noticing like the ways in which like time and space are the same thing on the page of a comic book. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, I've I, I gone too far. Understanding <laughs> Comics no, is really further. like, <laughs> Understanding Comics is really like wormed its way into my brain in a really fun way It's to where it now. I, I feel like I like sort of understand this medium that I love so much a lot better. You it's know, sink rate is increasing. <sighs> yes.
1: God, <laughs> um, I just, it makes me so, so happy to hear you say this because, um, understanding comics is really important to me. Um, mm-hmm. I don't, have I ever like told you about my like personal history with that book? You mentioned when I was
2: reading it that it was like part of the, r- That it was, like, very foundational for you, but it was just in a tweet, so you didn't, like, go into it, really.
1: Yeah, so basically, like, you know, I've always uh, read comics a lot. Um, And so when I was a kid, my parents would go to, like, this kind of cool comic book store in Cambridge, Massachusetts. It's called Million Year Picnic. Um, If you get a chance to go there, I recommend it. It's a great comic book store. Uh they would just, like, pick stuff out and get it for me. And when I was 10, they got me understanding comics. And I don't totally understand what prompted them to do that, because I don't think it really looks like a comic you'd give to a 10-year-old. <laughs> but, but I think that just because, because adults, especially in the 90s, uh, sometimes had this perspective just, like, comics in general are for kids. I don't know. They just they picked it up. Yeah. And so I got that for Christmas, and it blew my mind because it was the first time i'd been exposed to the idea of like a person talking about art like the entire idea of like literary or like cultural or art analysis yeah is, that is where understanding comics is where it comes from for me and it's a weird place to get your start with that because scott McCloud <laughs> had has some fucking weird ideas like mm-hmm. It, it, there's a part of that book where he tries to just explain what art is in general and it's b- bizarre yes yes <laughs> it's like it's almost hard to believe that like he became as respected as he did and like continues to be respected and like understanding comics continues to be so kind of important to like comics analysis as a field when he said all that shit about cavemen but like
0: yeah. <laughs> uh... <laughs> but the pro-
1: Sorry. The The process you're describing of, like, oh, I read this, and then it kind of opened my mind up to this stuff that I was already reading, and I'm noticing, like, oh, here's the masking effect that he describes. This is right. why, for me, it was like, this is why Tintin looks like that. This is why, like, Tintin has that kind of baby face, and then, like, the world Tintin is climbing around in is so detailed and like the draftsmanship is like that that is having like an emotional effect on me as i read it it's not just like a thing that just is true and doesn't mean anything right um, and uh yeah i just i think that that's one of the things that is really compelling about that book is that um like i don't think it, it is just because i was 10 or because right. there because there isn't a lot of like I think maybe sometimes understanding comics ha- has this weird role where there isn't a ton of like comics theory and so it becomes this like pillar that holds it up uh that hasn't really been like superseded by other like more fully thought out comics theory after it um but I still do think there's something kind of special about it where uh it it manages to as it kind of swings for the fences of trying to explain everything it does manage to like crack open some very real and like deep things about the medium. Um that yeah, once you think about them you can't stop seeing them. That's so cool.
0: <laughs> yeah. There are worse places to have your introduction to um like the concept of thinking about art. Mine was the fucking nostalgia critic. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs>
2: Um, the, 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 um, what was I gonna say? The, the thing that, like, when I was reading Understanding Comics, like, um, the thing that I was taking away from it was just, like, oh, what an odd little book, um, what an odd little, like, document of the time that it was made in and the person who made it, because, like, yeah, there is, like weird stuff about like art is when um you do something that is not uh like uh, he says like art is when you do something that is not either for survival or reproduction so like and has like weird drawings of like a man chasing a woman in like caveman times it's there's weird stuff um you go nora I have nothing appropriate to add to that. Okay. Um, <laughs> and he has because he is a a cishet white man in the 90s um who makes comics, there are a lot of sort of um exoticizing ideas about what manga is and the sort of like mm-hmm. reverence with which he treats it because the manga boom hadn't happened and so to American readers in 1993 Manga was, like, this exotic other thing that you didn't have access to. It's the
0: other direction. (laughs) Or or it was almost
1: like... I feel like for McCloud, it's kind of this thing where, like, he knows about and reads some manga. And he also reads a lot of American comics that are by people who read manga. And then he, like, is aware of superhero comics. And he's like, you guys, you don't know about manga. And the thing is, he's right. (laughs) They don't. They didn't know about manga. (laughs) Yeah, that's the thing. It, It was
2: um one of the things that was super interesting to me was was like because like he'd done Zot before this and he was part of the sort of like 80s like indie black and white comics boom that I also like associate with um all the vertigo stuff of the time and well none of that wasn't black and white but um like the vertigo stuff of the time and um tmnt and like by eastman and laird and like what tmnt was before it became like a cultural phenomenon um and you know love and rockets and so like he's like in that sort of space and you just get to see like a guy who's very like um like stereotypical of that of that era like talk about like oh yeah i was reading a bunch of like Carl Barks, and these European comics, and Jack Kirby, and Tezuka, and, like, you just get to see, like, what was sort of, like, what was in the water that was influencing so many of the comics that I love, um, and so, like, every time he's just, like, going through, like, a list of, like, yeah, here are all the comic books I like, I'm like, I'm, like, writing this down, I'm, like, okay, I'm gonna read a bunch of fucking Carl Barks, uh, Donald Duck comics, because I'm fucking interested now, you know, um, there's
1: uh... oh sorry go on
2: and but yeah so just to wrap up what I was saying like that's what I was taking away from it the day that I was reading it is like oh this is an interesting little book with some ideas but I'm more interested in how it kind of is revealing of who Scott Cl- Scott McCloud is as like a guy and how it's interesting that this becomes the definitive theory for understanding comics for decades since this book has come out. And, like, I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting and quaint. And then, yeah, reading Monster last night, I was like, oh, it's wormed its way into my brain. I think he was right about some things. (laughs) (laughs) What were you going to say, Mark?
1: Oh, I was just thinking about, because you were describing, like, uh, how you were kind of being introduced to all these other comics because of him. Uh, There's this one part of it where he's trying to, like, propose a kind of full theory of different types of like visual art which again one of these things mm-hmm. where it's just like okay buddy uh although i don't think he's like totally full of shit it's just that i don't think he's actually capable of describing every possible type of visual art but he has right. this big big triangle um and the, the points of it are like the top point is like total visual abstraction right mm-hmm. and the like the bottom, cubist painting yeah, yeah. And then the, is it the bottom left is, like, total realism? Yes, like the, extreme like of the that photo. One? Exactly. And then the bottom right is, like, total symbolic representation. And the extreme of that is actually words, like like right. text. And so he's trying to basically plot comics art on this triangle. And it's like, okay, you've got these, like, very, very simple, cartoony, iconic images that he thinks of as almost being language because it's like yeah if you have a smiley face that two dot like an emoji that that right. way of representing a the concept of a face is so abstract that it almost becomes like language more than image mm-hmm. um anyway that triangle he puts a bunch of different cartoon faces on there um and if you look through that triangle it's like this is a whole fucking world of comics that this guy knows about and he went and cited all of them it was like these are all the the cartoons that i'm showing you on this triangle and I think it would be like a genuinely fascinating artistic project to just go and like sample all of the things he put on that right. triangle and it doesn't right. like the triangle doesn't have to be an accurate description of all the possibilities of visual art and it doesn't even have to be a representative sample of like comics you can just say these are a bunch of comics that Scott McCloud liked um, and even that is like I think super valuable but yeah. then also, like, that, that idea of this, like, triangle of types of art, even though it's not as comprehensive as he wants it to be, it's still a really interesting and useful thing to think about. Like, and when you look at the way he's plotted everything, you can actually see this sort of gradient of, mm-hmm. like, oh, here's an image where this is a, a cartoony face, but it's also, like, it's, in its cartooniness, it's kind of moving towards a weird, almost, like, cubist abstraction, or, like, Here's a realistic face in some ways, but there are elements of it that are getting cartoony. Anyway, oh, I yeah. could probably talk about this forever. Sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Who's that guy? Is that Apocalypse?
2: Um, that I, it's thirty six. There's okay. citations up at the top.
0: Oh, that's what the song.
2: Oh, Jack Kirby's Dark Side. Okay,
0: yeah. Okay, I knew. So, it so, so cool. yes,
1: kind of. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. So yes. <laughs> yes. Apocalypse crossed with the thing. Yes. <laughs> We're looking at the big version of the pyramid right now with all the pieces. Um, And yeah, I I, I, partially on M's
2: recommendation, because M was like, you might... Because I, when I was reading it, um, was like latching so much onto like, oh, what a weird document of the time. M was like, you have to read um, Reinventing Comics, which is sort of his book and i think either 1999 or 2000 that is sort of like looking at the turn of the millennium and like the oncoming like digital age and like how comics can like adapt to that i have not read it yet but like that just sounds like something i have to read i had a class um like a like film 201 or something like a pretty elementary class um that I had in college that I was just taking as an elective, because I, was, I wasn't doing film studies in any way. I just needed to fill out credit hours, and I was interested. Um, I had a professor who had us, like, who... Her research was on, like, new media, quote-unquote. And, like, um, you know, um, I guess... Get- <laughs> I guess if you don't know what new media is, I th- you should probably listen to that Range Touch Homestuck podcast. I haven't listened to it yet, but like you'll probably get a you'll probably get a rundown of like what new media is. It is a sort of like how um the internet and like digital things are affecting um art. Um so I had a professor who did a lot of research into that and like kind of transformed our like you know the class where we're just supposed to watch Citizen Kane and talk about it, she kinda like made it more about that sort of stuff, which just has me because I have that in my head, I'm like, well I have to know what people what a guy was saying about this right before webcomics took off. You know, like, I gotta know what's going on there. You know?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's... So. Reinventing comics is interesting. I haven't revisited it in a while, um, and I don't quite know how it would look now, but it, it, a lot of it is him trying really hard to predict the future. And yes. he doesn't do a great job of that, but I... You know, predicting the future is really hard. <laughs> <laughs> Most people, even people for whom it's, like, literally their job, are terrible at it. So, you know... I cut him a little bit of slack. Uh I also
2: kind of want to just read Zot because I I think that like McCloud is like a very compelling artist in understanding comics, like the way that he can like like he's not this is not fiction, but there are like stories he tells or like the way that he'll lay out a page that has like some sort of like example of like drama. I'm like this is really fucking interesting. I should read Zot.
0: You should fin- you should read all of this book before we get to brandon sanderson's white sand the graphic novel well i have years and years to do that so not worried about it then you should reread it
2: (laughs) (laughs) um i i will not need the full weight of comics theory to uh are you sure to 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 bring to to white sand i don't because
0: otherwise i feel like it's going to be kind of a dry book
2: because it's on a desert. Is yeah, that the joke it's Set on a desert. Is yeah. A desert planet.
0: Desert planet. Desert planet. Arrakis.
2: <laughs> I have so, a question. Yeah. Someday, mm-hmm. either Nora or I is gonna show up to a recording of Ars Arcanum and be like, "Yeah, so I read thirty chapters of Dune last night." I don't know that Dune
0: has thirty chapters in it. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, for, for a fact that that's true. <laughs>
1: there, there's a lot of there's a lot of books, so there's probably thirty chapters across the entirety of like the Dune series. That's yeah. true.
0: Uh, there Dune is. Oh, okay. So book one of Dune is twenty two chapters. Okay. So Dune well, itself is like forty eight chapters. Yes. I read more of Dune than I thought because I only read the first act, but that's like. Almost half the book. Yeah. Just like this book, Elantris, by Brandon Sanderson.
1: Is that what you're you're trying to make us talk about Elantris?
0: I would love to talk about Elantris. These- Otherwise, I, I can let y'all have your comics podcast.
1: <laughs> I'm these <sorry>. chapters
2: <laughs> These chapters are absolute nonsense. But also, I I almost wish that the book was this absolute nonsense if, all the time because it would f- at least be something. If
0: the whole book had the energy of chapter fifty-eight, <laughs> man. I
1: mean, I mean, this is this is the Sanderlanch, right? Like this is yep. the man's. I signature. hate
0: that Sanderlanch, <laughs> What's the wrong? Oh, with it? I know he that- says it, but I don't like it.
1: <laughs> I mean, I agree. It's a, it's a it's a weird term. It's not a very like. It doesn't sound. It doesn't feel good
0: I, to I say. Mean, neither does but, brand dump.
1: Oh, is that what? Oh <laughs> no! no.
0: <laughs> I just made that one up. The alternative Nora, would the be f- a brand dump.
1: No. Oh, <laughs> I hate that. That's so much worse. What's wrong with you? <laughs> I read Alancras. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, that'll do it. Um, we we don't have to use the word sandrelanch I guess if you don't like it, but um.
0: I'm making it the episode title. <laughs> the first Sanderlange.
1: <laughs> but this is this is his fucking thing, right? Is that at yeah. the end of the book a whole bunch of shit starts happening and it's really sick and like a lot of stuff that was like foreshadowed before all of a sudden comes back up and the, the plot threads start getting tied together and it, it feels great to read. Um. Well, in theory. <sighs> Yes, I, this is not me saying that this part of the book is actually, is the, actually good. This, the
0: Sanderlange projected on the cave wall, Wow, beautiful.
2: <laughs> um, I'll say one one thing and then I'll just read this damn summary. Okay. Um, I will not say that the, these chapters were good, but I will say they were the best part of this book. That's so true. <laughs> That's so true. Raiden awakens to Strange Sound in Royal's mansion. Uh, immediately upon investigating the disturbance, he meets with the dakor monks. One of them is Diloph, who disables Raiden in his attempt to arm himself. Uh, at the walls of Elantris, Sereni orders Hoyd to deliver a box of uh, supplies to Galadon and Karada, revealing to no one but herself the contents, swords and bows. As she rides back in her coach, the invasion catches up to her. Escaping from her coach, she is saved by... From a doc- She is saved from a Doc War monk by Keine and Lucal, Safely back at the mansion, Keine reveals, after Sereni Sli- notices Aeon Reo engraved on his axe, his true past as the pirate Driok Crushthroat, uh, which Keine corrects to Crushed Throat in his characteristic raspy voice, and again correcting Sereni that it was Aventio who stole the throne from Driok. Uh confronts Dilov about the massacre. Angry that Diloff's agenda is the annihilation of the of an entire nation, he was set on converting to uh Jada. Um uh, asserts his authority as a Gradget. <laughs> Gragdet. <laughs> Gragdet, thank you. Really? The- is
1: that how it's fucking pronounced?
2: Gragdet. Um Diloph asserts his authority uh, as a Gragdet, the leaders of the monasteries, uh, and Hrathan recalls his own brief initiation
0: into the Dakor Monastery. Pog! Pog! This whole chapter! (laughs) This chapter! First thing in this chapter, Rayadon is sleeping in a different house from Sereni because they're not married yet.
1: (laughs) I will say it's not like uh, that's not the uh, that's not, like, the official justification, right? He doesn't say, I have to sleep here because Serena's in the other house. No, but
0: that thought does lead into, they haven't been married yet, and there's they've set the wedding for, like, another few
1: days. Oh, Jesus. No, it does literally... I don't know how I... <laughs> you no, know, it's literally, like, they can't sleep in the same... Um- I just, I smoothed over it in my memory because it was so obnoxious. Like, you literally can't sleep in the same house. He's staying in a dead man's house. Like, a creepy, empty house. Of his dead friend. Also, also, it's on the eve of a coup or some shit, and he, like, knows that. Like, the the political instability is all coming to a head. He should be staying in the house. That's a fucking fortress. Are you telling me so,
0: the wedding? <laughs> the wedding wasn't slated to happen until the following afternoon, so Raiden had chosen to sleep in Kalu's rooms back in Royale's mansion instead of staying at Kiane's house, where Sereni had already taken the guest bedroom.
1: The guest bedroom. It's a fucking mansion. It's a fucking castle.
0: Eventually, they would move into the palace, but it was still being cleaned up from Tellery's tenure uh but royale's mansion is, is already clean, I suppose um so no, right out the gate, we get that just and then uh we get freaky monks who uh i like have this mental image in my head that I can't match to anything, like they kind of like. <laughs> The Razak, as depicted in the uh, movie version of Aragon, because they're I'm rolling my eyes. They're shield. jumping around like Toku guys, right? You fucking boss baby ass bitch. <laughs> but they're also like, I'm I'm imagining in the face more kind of like a dry version of the Davy Jones pirates, just sort of like weird and. <laughs> and you are incapable of thinking of anything That
2: is not a 2000s uh, blockbuster movie I
1: <laughs> This mean, came in out fairness, in
2: the 2000s
0: I know, yeah, in I fairness, know
1: In fairness to Nora this, this is kind of a 2000s blockbuster movie of a book
0: It's a fucked up guy <laughs> And he runs around and he's very limber What if he looked at you? I would run <laughs> I would shit myself and run
1: <laughs> Yeah, I have to I really have to take back Because last episode I was like I don't think these guys are magic I think they just have like scarification and shit but no no they've got like magic bone things
0: they've got the bone growing juice
1: definitely if these guys were in a movie they'd be cgi'd to hell unless the movie Mm -hmm. was good in which case they would be toku suits but uh,
0: (laughs) (laughs) toku suits up to the neck and then like really heavy makeup yeah yeah Yeah.
1: no no they need a they, they don't need to be expressive They need helmets They need like no, they Bone need ridge to, faces
0: They need to be They need to be like The orcs from The Lord of the Rings movie So that they can like Open their mouths And have weird Fucked up teeth And go ah. Yeah Alright
1: Yeah okay If Yeah Like they are basically orcs I mean okay That's not quite true But like, I mean
0: the orcs In those movies do Like clamber around On stuff And they hop a lot They're They're industrious Little guys
1: <laughs> They're actually pretty big, right?
0: I mean some of them are big. The Urukai are bigger. Is this When is this podcast? This podcast is coming out in eight days, right? Yes. But I don't know when the other podcast is coming. Yeah,
2: I don't know when the other podcast is coming out. <laughs> I'm sure out. it's
0: fine. Yeah, I'm sure it's fine. We will have talked about it by the time this goes up.
2: Yeah because I got no be... idea what you two
0: are
1: talking
0: We're doing
2: about. <laughs> we're we're starting a Lord of the Rings podcast with Edmund Jackson um and I was like, "Oh, this would be a great time to like subtly just be like plug that." But then I was like, "Have we announced that? Will that, we have announced that, that, that first The first
0: episode will go up less than a week after this episode comes out." Okay, so because yeah, we it can It'll be the Wednesday following this episode's release on the Patreon. Last yeah. Wednesday uh Following the uh, pr- preceding this episode's release on the public feed, uh, yeah, we're doing a Lord of the Rings podcast with Evan Jackson. That's all. Carry on, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, then we get Serini talking to Hoyd. God. Oh. <laughs>
1: Boy, I wonder why that the name Hoyd is linked to a, an article on this wiki. He seems like a pretty insignificant beggar. Surely, uh, I'm not noticing anything about how a named character is being introduced at the eleventh hour. I just assume, I just assume this is a random guy who like lives in the dirt and has nothing to do with anything.
2: Yeah, Serenia is like, hey Hoyd. Oh hi Hoyd. Can you hey Hoyd? Can you do this for me? I would really appreciate Hoyt if you did this for me. I've known about
0: Hoyt this whole book,
2: but never mentioned him until now. Yeah. Hoyt, my beggar friend, that's all he is.
1: (laughs) It's, it's, look, I... We fucking know that Hoyt is like a guy who matters. Yes. And Um... it's, it's very obvious in the way that he's being introduced that he is going to be of some kind of significance. It's, 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 uh... It's funny because, like,
0: if you're reading this in the moment, like, Hoyd is not a guy because this is the first one. This is the first one, and also, like, I don't know. There was no epilogue
2: at the, or there was no post We can't, post-script. can't go down this road. We can't again. do this again.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, do, but um. but yeah, like, I think there's this thing where if you were reading this book and you have never heard the name Hoyd before, which I'm pretending is me. It's not quite true that that's me, but like. It's kind of true. I don't actually really know what Hoyt's deal is at all. I don't actually remember him being in the other Brandon Sanderson books that I read. I think, like, he was there, but I'm not sure they actually used his name. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, I think the, the, like, if you were reading at this point, the logical assumption would be, oh, this is, like, a guy who's going to be important somehow in the climax of this story, and... This is really inartful. He should have been, like, mentioned way earlier that Serini had this, like, leader of beggars that she's, like, working with. Um, because that's how this is presented, right? She's, like, mm. using him and his, like, team of beggars to, like, get stuff into Lantris.
0: Which has never and- been brought up before. Yeah, that there is, yeah. like...
1: <laughs> and And there's this whole kind of, like, thing where, like, these are people who have been, uh on the run from, like, Iodon's, like, system of serfdom. Which is, like, why they're, like, so secretive. They've been, like, running around at night to make sure that no nobles catch them and make them go work on the farms. Um, And it's like, damn, I really would have loved to know more about this earlier on when I was trying to figure out what the hell was going on with this whole serfdom system. But no. Yeah.
0: (laughs) The important thing is, that despite all the trials, difficulties, and setbacks, there is finally an honorable king on the throne of Arlon. Speaking of
2: things that are sort of inartfully introduced in this chapter...
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so here's the the sort of progression here. Okay, I want to... We got off the call
2: last week, and Nora and I were just continuing to chat a little bit. And Nora said to me they're never gonna explain what was up with Where uh, are mm-hmm. they? Like, they're never gonna get like back Brandon, to that plot line.
0: Like, it would be really weird to have that come <laughs> around now. It seems a little bit late. <laughs> We're just not gonna hear about that one. One of them's gonna die. Yeah. Uh, but instead, so, uh, Keon comes out and owns a decor monk with a big axe, and it's got Aeon Rio on it, which means punishment, and it's like, oh, this is obviously like a headsman's axe, right? Like, he was in the revolution, he probably beheaded a bunch of Elantrians with it, that's why he doesn't want to take it back. No, 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 no. He was a pirate. <laughs> and he was... <gasps> that we've never heard of before. I think we've been, it's been mentioned. Okay. That <laughs> was mentioned in, in, like, the intro to this family. Okay. At the same time was mentioned the fact that the younger brother of this household is always counting things, counting steps to, to oh, and from yeah. different places, and it's like this weird like autism caricature almost. Yes. Um, turns out he's an Elantrian.
1: I hate it so much. I it don't really, know- Really, really, it's disgusting. It's I don't know how-
0: or why this is the case. Because it doesn't change anything. It doesn't and it mean also, anything.
1: It's also like, you know, we've been talking this whole time about like, why does no one think about the possibility that somebody might have become an Elantrian and, and the cover story is that they died. And apparently this whole time, this family has been hiding an Elantrian child. And... The, the idea that someone else might do a similar kind of deception about an Elantrian family member has never come up. Jesus Christ. So,
0: did the, does the family know that he's Elantrian? They have to. Because no, I don't know that
1: they do. They're disguising him with makeup, right? Otherwise, how is it not immediately visually obvious?
0: Th- is this is like-
2: so confusing and rushed to me that, like, I, uh, this was so confusing and rushed, and also, I was so freaking out about the stupid wait. crushed throat stuff that, like-
1: Also, wait, I'm sorry, I think, isn't the- this is next chapter, the He's an Elantrian reveal, isn't it in the next chapter?
2: Because uh, that's when we
1: get the the pile of bodies. I guess so.
2: Okay, okay.
1: Right, I, right, There's so, mu- right, there's yes. so much okay. shit in these chapters, I, I want to try to, like, keep it organized yes. if we possibly can, yes. but it's- it's difficult. We
0: will, we will circle okay. back to uh, just, Triok crushed throat. I have hey. nothing to say about this, but it's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> uh and then we have so this chapter is sort of set up like three in the in the three like POVs. Yeah. So we're ending on yeah. a curtain scene um where we realize that Deloff is actually a Gragdet. I can't believe I can't believe I guessed that um that
2: um, Keine would have a secret Elantrian sister, and that Dillah would be a secret Elantrian was wrong about both of those. But I forgot about the uh, autism stereotype character, and that's the one who turned out to be uh-huh. a secret Elantrian. There was a secret Elantrian.
0: <laughs> okay, so let's talk about the Gragdats. We learn at the at this eleventh hour. That there is one position that out... There's two positions that outrank a Gyorn, If you include an obviously, obviously. And a Gragdet. Now, the Gragdets are the heads of the monasteries, but they're usually excluded from this sort of discussion because they don't really do much outside of their monasteries, except for this time, uh, Diloph is very much outside of the monastery. And he uh, is a warped fleshman and he's eternally young even though he's actually 70 years old
1: also <laughs> like he is he has been like via the the body changing power of the stuff that the monks of decor do to themselves not only does he have like this sort of like bone ridges and like like physical power-ups, I guess, that mm-hmm. all of the monks have. But he's also been changed to appear ethnically Araleen.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: Why? And,
2: a, a, and he has been changed to appear ethnically Araleen. And also, he's like, Kraithin, you stupid moron. Obviously, it would be much easier for a uh, fjordan to disguise himself as an Aralene than for an Aralene to learn flawless uh, Fiordel without any sort of accent.
0: It it would be easier to imitate... It would be easier for me to speak our language bad than it would be for someone from an inferior culture to even try to learn our language. Right, that's it. Thank you. And it's... Dilaw, we're uh, I'm tired. Becoming the Joker, wired dealification. I'm dealifying. <laughs> is this is this the chapter? Yeah, okay. So,
2: if I can just speculate for a moment, they're definitely carving aeons into the bones, right? Like that's what's happening here.
0: Possibly, but I don't know why that would work for them.
2: Yeah, I guess I guess it's established that Aeondor only works for Elantrians, so maybe there's like a different sort of like It could be a different
0: uh, regional I mean, magic. Like
1: yeah. Okay, I, I I just wanna emphasize again the thing that happened last time where uh Diloph was manipulating Aeondor. Well yeah um,
0: Well what happened is that Raiden senses the presence of magic which he knows as the door but that it again, could be that, different from magic from a character pov he would call it the door but there that's just magic like it could be anything
2: yeah i'm
0: i'm I guessing that they they're... carve aeons that's or some the... sort of
2: fjordan equivalent of aeons that is the
0: most like reasonable answer that doesn't <laughs> involve some other weird bullshit yeah um y- yeah,
1: yeah so like uh, so i so really funny. want to believe <laughs> I really want to believe that there aren't fucking two magic systems in this that are totally distinct, and one of them has been introduced right at the end, because I hate well. that. However, <laughs> it, does feel, it does feel possible, unfortunately. Uh, well,
0: I have read books by Brandon Sanderson wherein a new magic system is introduced at the end of the book, um, although yeah. that mostly just happens with- uh, it's fine. But yeah, usually those parts books are, are better. The first part of a series, not like not, not a standalone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm
1: okay with I'm okay with like reveals happening at the end of a book that are like setting up something new and cool. Um, but because this book is a standalone, I I find that to be well, really.
0: It's two sequels bad. are coming soon. <laughs>
1: just another few
0: years, um. guys. It's gonna be. It's <laughs> It's Why? been 16
2: years Since this book has come out And he's like yeah I'm gonna get sequels to that one soon Which I think is a bad idea Because then that invites people Going and reading a lot Well maybe I he'll know. wait
0: a little bit longer And then he'll have the 20th anniversary de- <sighs> Definitive Definitive edition where he makes it good
1: That's not gonna happen, it's not gonna happen. <laughs> He
0: had his chance This was 10 drafts and then he did an another Version of it and it's still The book that it is You just
1: changed how you spell the word Jindo.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He is, after he writes the fifth Stormlight book, he's going to take a, quote, take a break, but also after that point is when things like Elantris 2 and 3 will happen.
2: Yeah. He's taking a break from Stormlight, not not from from writing. writing.
0: (laughs) Although it would be really interesting if he did, like, I'm going to take two years off. What if Sanderson did that? What if Sanders like,
2: Five years, no books. I don't care. I can't I mean, imagine talking, him doing that. He can't do that.
1: He totally can. I'm He's, he... like, definitely rich enough to do that. But, but, uh, no, I agree yeah. with you that he won't. I don't,
0: yeah. Anyway,
2: should we talk about 59, or? Yeah,
1: right. Well, I, I want to just, like, communicate what, like, Diloph's plan seems to be. Yes, yes. I, that wasn't really explained in the summary. Yes. Diloph wants to kill Wants to fully genocide all Ereleans and Teos because then it will be impossible for anyone to become an Elantrian because those are the only types of those are the only nations, yeah. The complete Elantrians,
0: Aeonic ethnic group will be uh eliminated so the heresy of Elantris will never return. And and um,
1: and this is always what Wern intended, like it sort of seems like. Diloph's, like, personal vendetta thing, but also, (laughs) clearly, Wern is on board.
0: Got you. Yeah. We learn that Diloph has been in... had even more secret communications with Wern and -hmm. has a different plan that supersedes Wraithan's plan. Yes, and Diloph... I'm gonna sneeze again, motherfucker.
2: No, I'm not. Um, Diloph is like, no your your mission was never to convert these people your mission was to like distract them and cause instability while I laid the plans for um my machinations you know uh which lay undetected for years um, it
1: seems it seems uh, totally unnecessary um it doesn't yes. seem like they needed uh Hreithen at all
0: you have magic kung fu wizard monks like, I think you can take them. <laughs> I don't, don't know a how, standing army. I don't know how Eodon would have done any better against this.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. It might it have was, been cleaner yeah.
0: to do it without sending Wraith in because then everyone is just normal, and you don't have, like, everyone riled up already when you go in. Yeah. But what do I know? <sighs> I'm not a Wern. 59.
1: Yeah, I'm ready to go. All right. Chapter 59. Raiden awakens at a hostage, but the blow to his head has left him dizzy and he is unable to heal as an Elantrian. Yes, we know. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, he's dizzy and he'll never be undizzy because he's an Elantrian. Um, Noticing Delof has besieged Keine's house, he tries to shout. Serenia is distraught to see Rayadin captive, but accepts his inevitable fate. She will not trade the lives of anyone in Keon's household, uh, um, which is what she imagines Dilof will demand in exchange for Rayadin as a hostage. Um, However, sorry, these sentences are just so bad. I'm trying to, like, edit them on the fly into something that actually communicates what they're trying to say. Yes. Um, as she steps out onto the balcony, the Dehor monks ambush her and Kian, taking them captive. Diloph demands Hraithan Seon to communicate with Eventeo and inform him of the terms of surrender. Uh, however, Diloph is not actually interested in extracting a surrender. He just wants to murder the king. And spread chaos throughout. <laughs> <laughs> throughout the king? <laughs> I, I, I left that in because I do think that's what Diloph wants. He wants to spread chaos throughout. Throughout what? Doesn't matter. <laughs>
0: Some men just want to watch our Elaine
1: burn. <laughs> uh, Hrythin is, is, is conflicted and, and doesn't want to do Diloth's plan. Um, Almost as an afterthought, Diloth impales <laughs> Randon on his sword and leaves him muttering a... Okay, this is the thing I want to talk about, but yeah. it says in the summary, and it also says in the book, a hoed mantra failed, my love. Diloph orders that the Elantrians be rounded up and burned.
2: I do enjoy when Raiden gets stabbed. I just felt like he had it coming to him.
1: Yeah, one thing that I think is really genuinely very good about these chapters is that stuff that has been setting that has been set up for a long time as like, oh shit! If Raiden gets too seriously injured, he's going to lose his mind. He's going to become hoed. It's it's actually fucking happening, and it it it's great. It's so great to have like a threat that we've been, like, kind of anxious about for ages actually take place and become, like... Well, and it
2: it yeah. makes a little more sense. I We have been a pretty critical of, um, like, how the concept of how weed has been treated in this book. Um, but I do understand if you had a concussion that would never heal, you'd lose your damn mind. You know? <laughs> um, yeah,
1: I think I think that the way that the Hoed condition is depicted from the inside, from Raiden's perspective in these chapters, is very, like, interesting. And, yes. And, like, I think it's much less stupid yes. <laughs> than, is, than it has been yes. depicted from the outside. Yes. This yes.
0: does, however, raise a point that we will return to at least a couple more times in this podcast, which is Brandon writing symptoms of mental illnesses that are actually caused by magical conditions. Yes. This will this is just yes. like a thing that's gonna come up a lot. Um and he never stops. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. um I, I do think that it was it was a fun perspective shift and yes. it makes more yeah. sense when you tie in that there's like a magical component to
1: um
0: being hoed
1: yeah yeah the the real like hoed perspective stuff is in the next chapter so i don't want to talk about that when we get there but um uh, (sighs) so i want to talk about the use of the word mantra if that's cool yeah so this is not i did just check this is not the first time that the word mantra has been used to refer to the stuff that like the hoed are always repeating um, I think, like, the first time that the concept of the Hoed repeating words over and over was introduced, the word mantra was also used there. Um, but, uh, you know, I guess I didn't really take notice of it at the time, but it's repeated several times in this chapter and the next one, so it did stand out to me more. And I really, really don't like it. I think it's lazy, and also it's not what that word means. Like, in a certain sense, that's not quite true, because the word mantra is used in like the English language all the time to just sort of mean a thing that a, a phrase or word that someone repeats over and over like mm-hmm. if you look in the dictionary there is like a definition of it that is that sort of general and vague and like you know it's like oh the the sports team's mantra is their like slogan or whatever so I'm not trying to claim that Brandon invented the idea of using that word in a very kind of broad sense um, but you know the the origin of the word mantra is that it refers to like a religious practice in a a number of different world religions. Like mantras are a a part of like Hindu and, and Buddhist religious traditions and like several others as well. Um, and it's like, you know, a word or phrase that you repeat over and over for like spiritual purposes. To center
2: Um, yourself and to focus on. Yeah. Uh,
1: Like it's a, you know, like a, because it's, a concept that's been around for a really long time and used by a number of different li- religious traditions. I don't want to act as though there's, like, one idea of what a mantra is. Everyone always uses it this way. But I think something that is pretty consistent throughout the, like, many uh faith traditions that use the concept of a mantra is that it is something, it is something that has religious or spiritual value, and it is something that involves, like, thought and the mind Mm. like that's the the root like the root of the word in like i mean literally the etymological root of the word like according to like linguistic theory is something like thought and then also just in general in the like in the way that like people talk about the word in sanskrit it's talked about being connected to the concept of thought it is not like insanity and thoughtlessness mm-hmm. it's and i like, just
2: yeah.
1: i honestly think this is kind of offensive mm. um not like it's offensive in i guess a low-key way yeah uh, you know it's offensive in the same way that like the fact that the word yoga now means like physical exercise right and, like, leggings <laughs> as opposed to like a, a whole broad category of like spiritual practices, most of which are not exercise. So, like, I'm not trying to act like Brandon personally made this kind of racist thing happen, but I just... I think there's something really fucked up about taking a word that refers to like a thoughtful religious practice and using it to talk about mindlessness Mm -hmm. and, And like, disease, illness.
2: Especially when this is a book so concerned with um like, religion and culture and,
1: like... Yes. It, it... it, <laughs> it, it <laughs> pays
2: lip service yes. to being about that. Yeah. And so to so thoughtlessly, like... It, to so thoughtlessly impose a sort of, like, Western Christian perspective on a, like, word from a, you know, different culture and a different, like, mm-hmm. religious practice...
1: It sucks it's 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 a similar kind of laziness to me um to the way that this book has always used ideas of like damnation in a very casual way without oh, actually yeah. thinking at all about like what does damnation mean to these people what is it in their context let's not just pretend that like we can just apply our sort of you know uh our casual day-to-day 21st century uh, English language idea of what damnation is to this supposedly totally other world, but no, damnation is just the thing that we think it is in the real world, and we're not going to think about it. This is that, but applied to like a different religious back, a different religious tradition that Brandon doesn't know shit about. To the
0: point that, like, they, and so it's worse. They don't even say hell in this book. Like, they don't talk about yeah. what damnation is or means. It's just you're damned.
1: It's just, yeah, you know that word. You know what it is. Yeah. We're the, not going to have to... a
0: spooky word that the Baptists say.
1: It's just... <laughs> it's it's, <laughs> it's lazy world building, and it's worse when it happens in this particular case because yeah. the laziness of it makes it kind of racist. Yes. Uh-huh.
2: And it makes Christianity the default worldview um, when you're literally writing a book about how Maybe there being a default worldview for like what religion is good is bad, you know? Um, I, 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 I yeah.
1: That's
2: I'm, maybe not really being more generous about, to the book than I ought to be. There,
0: <laughs> well, what if we had a good pope though?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I said that and I was like, I'm giving this book way more credit than it deserves.
0: Um, other things here, Hurricane, obviously not the villain. He's here. He's He doesn't want the genocide to happen. He doesn't want to go down the genocide route. Um, uh-huh. Autumn, you looked like you had something to bring up. Mm. You were, like, pointing at the book. Oh. No.
2: Okay, I'm gonna come clean. I, uh... Miscounted and I didn't read chapter sixty. So when I was pointing at the book, I was trying to mouth to you, I did not read chapter sixty and I'm doing that right now. So oh. <laughs> that is what I was trying to communicate to you. I thought
1: Do you I, uh do you wanna just like
2: No, I'm I'm nearly pause. done. I've got like two paragraphs left. So <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I I just miscounted and didn't read chapter 60,
0: so I, I'm just doing
2: that. D- Don't mind okay. me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, uh, the chapter 60 uh, summary on this page is pretty hefty as far as these go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Lots do happening. We, do we want to say anything more about 59? It was kind of a short one.
1: <sighs> yeah, I don't really, uh...
0: It was a lot of exposition, I guess. It was a lot of off talking, doing his villain speech.
1: <clears throat> yeah.
0: So, here's where the real shit happens. Uh-huh. Watching Creighton and his companions leave the mansion, Galadon quickly creeps up to Raiden's body, finding him hoed. <laughs> Karada urges him on, but Galadon has a promise he made with Raiden to fulfill. After which, he insinuates on giving himself the same release, to which Karada silently accepts the same fate. Lucal watches his uncle Keine, fight off three Decor monks at once before being subdued. They and the rest of the captives are herded off to Elantris. The Decor monks with Diof and, and teleport to Teode, using yes! one of the monks as the fuel to power the transportation. Leaping to a nearby rooftop, swamp, watches a fleet of ships pulling into Teod's Bay, exclaiming they will wait. In the meantime, Diloph reveals the origin of his hatred of Elanfils to Raiden, that a failed healing had left his wife in agony until she took her own life. Noticing Shuda and presumably preparing to fight his way free, Lucel steals himself to provide backup. While venturing up the mountain, Galan considers the hope Raiden instilled within him, the hope he still clings to while Raiden himself floats between the, behind the void of his own consciousness. Averted by the pain of his physical form. That was a sentence. Reaching the pool, Galadon and Karada lay Raiden down for a moment of rest before they wade into the pool. Nearing the built pyres in Elantris, Adian saunters away from the crowd. A Durethi soldier orders him back into the line before slashing his sword across his chest when he doesn't obey. Uh, No blood, Adian continues to walk continues walking to the shock of the soldier and lays upon the pyre, his secret finally revealed. Secret Elantrian. Um, Diloph reveals he was the one who convinced Raithan to leave the Decor Monastery a moment before making his move. Approaching Evanteo, Raithan's thoughts rebel against what Dilov has started, and he overhears Diloph whispering to Sereni that she is a disease for allowing the Arlings to forget their hatred of Elantrians, and Muses about killing her in front of her father. Rayodin's mind is assaulted by the vision of Aeon Rayo. Trying to suppress it, another image forms that of Elantris and the Outer Cities, and both images superimpose perfectly. <laughs> his surprise awakens him as he struggles to regain control of his body, surprising Galadon and Karada with a sudden scream. Galadon drops him into the pool. <laughs> <laughs> so. Weird monk shit is happening. It's real. They burn bodies as fuel. They burn people as fuel to teleport. Yeah. And also we know that one time uh Diloph killed a guy so that he could teleport down the street instead of walking for ten minutes.
1: <laughs> There's so many like... <laughs> Doloff backstory reveals in this chapter. It's 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 too much at once, but at the same time, I I do kind of eat it up because it's also like bizarre. And it's so silly that I'm pretty
2: into it. Uh, I
1: I can't believe I cannot believe that like the case study that Rayodin found in a book one time of like a woman who was like healed incorrectly by Aondor and who became Elantrian basically before. Like the or who became not a Lantrian, but like uh, you know, was like taken by the
2: Sheod by
1: the Sheod. Before that was actually a thing. I cannot believe that person was D'Loth's wife <laughs> that was fridged.
2: Is this? Oh my God, Nora! Is D'Loth the first guy in the Cosmere to catch accidentally killed my wife disease? <laughs>
1: I kind of I kind of think so because, I mean, it is sort of, it, it, he doesn't think of it this way, but it is clearly kind of his fault in some sense because he's the one who was like, she's sick, I have to have her healed, I don't care that it's uh, blasphemy, I must take her to Elantris because only the power of the Elantrians can heal. I, um, uh, I, I It's not quite like, the book isn't actually presenting it as his fault and I don't think it's mm. entirely fair to think of it that way because it's not like he... He had no reason to expect that that yeah. would happen or whatever. Um, but.
2: So, listeners, without spoiling anything, there will be a handful of characters throughout this series that are going to catch what I have dubbed accidentally killed my wife disease. <laughs> um, I, it's a tragic disease. I, <laughs> I really.
1: It's incurable.
2: In a in hundred million years would never have guessed that Delof would catch it, catch it in chapter 60. <laughs> Incredible book. King shit.
1: This... <laughs>
2: oh my god.
1: <laughs> I'm I'm so disappointed that, like, Delof's hatred of Elantrians really is because the Elantrians, like, did something that personally hurt him, and he's, like, hell-bent on revenge because of that. I really preferred the secret Elantrian, like, bizarre, kind of self-hating, like, weird worldview that justifies everything about himself version of Diloph. Like, Diloph is not, like, he's not rational because he just, like, wants chaos, but, like, his form of being irrational and like having kind of fucked up motivations is not actually like it's so much less interesting to me than it could have been yeah Um, he's just a man who's mad about his wife being dead and that's like boring to me because i feel like every piece of fiction is that
2: (laughs) yes Uh, this book is Fucking bonkers! But it's
0: notable that he got married after—not really got married, but functionally got married after he was turned into the uh, bone monster.
2: Yeah, th- this was another thing: is that he's like that was forty years ago, and she thought I was mega hot. Like that is a a line that is like <laughs> in here. I, I
1: also, I also think it's very like kind of interesting and kind of stupid that like uh, Delof's perspective on this is she thought I was the most handsome man she'd ever seen, even though my body had been twisted and destroyed to fit the mold of an Aralene. So, like all the bone ridges those are great normal for like uh, fjordal women to find that hot however, it's because he had been, it's because he was constantly doing white (laughs) face? That was fucked Anglo up. Anglo face. Um, and I don't know why, there's no explanation for why they, like, TF'd him into an airline. <laughs> because at, I, that time it, I, I, at that time, it sounds like he was living in the Fjordal Empire. He wasn't, like, doing this weird, un- I guess maybe what we're meant to believe is that Wern has been planning to destroy yes. the airlines for 70 years. And he had Loff turned into this as, like, his sleeper, not sleeper agent, but, like, his, his secret Ace up his sleeve mm-hmm. to do this genocide plan eventually, I suppose.
0: <sighs> sure. Uh, so Weirin is just like an actually like just evil overlord type guy. So also, why
2: did this plan take seventy years when it seems to have just been
0: caused political instability? Well, maybe Eodon really is a good king because he was able to keep the order of the country so that, uh, you know, Wern couldn't penetrate it and he couldn't, like, stir up chaos because Eodon and like, the market was just so strong. I can
1: I, I feel like... Maybe... I mean,
0: I, Maybe I like if can, it turns out
2: that Wern somehow caused the big crack in the canyon that... Mm, no, And so he made that happen somehow, and so this was, it took, you know, 60 years to, like, cause a natural disaster of the, natural disaster of the scale to throw off Aeondor. So
0: for one thing, we don't know how old Wern is. That's another thing. Oh my god, we don't know how old Wern is! And two, what if the Jaskari (laughs) Mysteries aren't fake, and Eodon was using them to repel...
1: Oh. Fjordel
0: influence.
1: Oh no! Oh no!
0: <laughs> what if Emperor Palpatine was secretly like unifying the galaxy against the Yuuzhan Vong the whole time? Stop it!
1: Down. <laughs> I'm
2: just spritz you with the water bottle.
1: <laughs> oh my god. I'm so upset because I think what you just said is perfectly plausible and I hate it. I I really wanted the just scary mysteries to be fake.
0: People I like podcast with hate it when I say bullshit, but they really hate it when the things I say make absolute sense.
2: Because <laughs> if the plan, the plan as it appears to me right now does not make sense as having
0: taken decades to, to carry out. But to burrow into like a mountain and like set, yes. dig a big tunnel and then collapse all the tunnels. Yes. Would be a big undertaking. Yes. And could conceivably.
2: And then, you know, once you've done that, what's 10 more years of causing political instability?
0: You know? Yeah, I guess having it be multiple decades would mean that he was plotting against Elantris, not against. Yeah. Eodon. Yeah. So with the launcher standing, obviously, he can't come in. Yeah. You, you, yeah. You can't come over here. <laughs> this is yeah. our zone. Yeah. But not only that, but as we're getting hints here um, about the layout of the surrounding towns being a big uh, Aeon itself. Like the roads between towns forming an Aeon. Maybe that's how they're going to fix the city. They're, just, they're gonna do something to the to the and... I'm jumping into the pool after Rayden. <laughs> what, if, what if the train tracks are actually shackles holding down a primeval uh, spirit? Um, what? But yeah. Uh,
1: what's this train tracks thing? Spirit
0: tracks. Legend of Zelda Spirit Tracks. Okay. Oh,
2: I I yeah, thought of an I, I... analogy, but it's like. Spoilers for the end of a series I really like, and I won't even say what it is, so. Okay. <laughs> yeah.
1: I, I... Man, the thing where, like, the whole map looks like the center of every Aeon, that was implausible enough that, like, nobody had noticed it this whole time. But if the literally the layout of Elantris and the cities that surround it from above is a perfect match for Aeon Rayo, that's so absurd.
0: Well, um... I don't know if you've seen this image of, I'm going to send it to the group chat, of uh, Elantris itself. Um, And here's the one of of the two cities next to each other. And um, they do look like big, intentional, geometric shapes.
1: Yeah, no, that's super super obviously Aeon Rayo. Like I even I know what Aeon Rayo looks like cuz it was like the first one at the beginning of the book. Like I the first chapters I'm pretty sure had Aeon Rayo as their... Her... Oh,
0: anyway. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, right. It, it's the it's the yeah. it's the thing with the four circles. Right. But yes, as you the... can see, we Oh. Yeah. Okay. So there's something going on with the the four cities. Si- the four cities
1: are abandoned. What? No one lives there anymore. Yeah.
0: Okay. They yep. all moved over here. Yep.
1: Are they gonna Are they gonna populate the other three cities? In three Is chapters. Are they gonna fix it?
0: I, I maybe I, there's a button. I'm maybe there's like a switch. maybe each of the five cities here has an underground library.
1: Oh my god! They just got to throw someone into a pool in each of the four cities. <laughs> uh, um, this book's stupid. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, here's an it work in progress picture of the of the Elantris map with notes from uh, from Brandon to huh. whoever's drawing the map. Huh. Um.
2: Do we have more thoughts about um, Keon's secret Elantrian
0: son? No, it doesn't mean anything. <sighs> it doesn't do anything. I-,
1: I, I There's absolutely- Like, there's no explanation for why he climbs on the pile of bodies. It's so like, oh, wouldn't it be fucked up if a child was mentally broken and got on a funeral pyre that's just a stack of bodies? And it's like, why is any of this happening-
0: the Uh other stuff here. Uh he's going to kill Sereni in front of the king and make him watch because he's a sicko. Yeah. Also, I cannot stop thinking about Evan Teo as looking like the king of Hyrule from the Zelda CDI games. Me too. <laughs> I'm glad that we're both on the same
2: <laughs> day,
1: <of
0: course>. Okay. <laughs>
2: I'm glad that I'm glad that we're really connected on this one. Uh,
0: I just uh, <laughs> it's just him. That's
2: that's who I think of. I
0: don't know why. Uh, I'll, I'll send I'll send Mark an image of of this guy, Harkinian
1: I think his name is.
0: What if I made that yeah, the episode? Yeah, you know art? what?
1: Uh- <laughs> Alright, I will admit, I do think, like, uh, I've never seen this guy before, so he wasn't, this de- this guy in particular wasn't my mental image of Eventeo, but at the same time, he was, because this is just a generic king dude, and, <laughs> yeah, so I was I was basically picturing Eventeo as looking like this. Um, same, like, mustache, I guess.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> um, this is, like, a kind of a minor random thing, but I don't get why there's suddenly so much Lucel. Right. In these chapters. We're getting, like, Luquel POV.
0: <laughs> Why? And I've always
1: kind of, Like, this whole time, I've kind of been wondering, like, what's up with Lucelle as a character? Like, this whole book, I've been like, is there something... Is there anything to him? Because there's been all this stuff where he, like, oh, he's, like, a canny merchant. And he's, like, bantering about it. And he's got his relationship with his wife and children. And, like, I've been wondering this whole time, is there going to be some big reveal about him? Is there going to be a flirtation between him and Sereni? Is he going to be relevant to the plot in, like, any way? But it just, none of it has ever crystallized for me. Yeah. And even And now that he, we're getting his actual perspective, it's still, like, it almost feels like the only reason he's here and the only reason he's been set up as a character is to have a viewpoint character in this scene of, like, destruction and like bodies stacked up in a lantern. I'd rather have Keion.
0: Yeah. Yeah
1: we could be seeing He's it. He's cool. Perspective. He has a big
0: axe. <laughs> he has a big axe with a word carved on it. That shit's metal as hell. It's punishment what I feel I feel like Keion should be king. Fuck Raiden. Make that guy <laughs> king. king.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what if they did that? What if that's how this book ends? I can't imagine it is, but maybe... That
0: that means that this story is one where the two heirs of one kingdom split up, and one of them goes off and becomes the king of a different country. Yeah.
1: I do think... I kind of think Avento is going to die, so I think the possibility that Kian might become the king of Teo is... is Yeah, until
0: such time as Raiden and Sereni have a kid who is the heir to both kingdoms. Yes.
1: I mean, yeah. Also, like... This is stupid, but I think it's funny that the king of Teod has been called Teo this whole time. I
2: always think about this.
1: <laughs> 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 like, I don't know. It's, it's just, just dumb.
2: A, it's a dumb thing. The names
1: in this book are bad. They've always been bad. This is just a new way in which they're bad, but...
2: Serini
0: <laughs> Is she calm?
2: I, every time I hear the word Serini, I think of... um. The nineties uh dub of Sailor Moon and um
1: You think of Serena? Yeah,
2: Serena, and I specifically think of her um Brooklyn accented friend whose name I can't remember, um being like Serena. Uh, Joey, uh, uh, Joey Wheeler. <laughs> <laughs> Sailor Moon has a Joey Wheeler who refers to her as Serena.
0: I can't do a Brooklyn. I can't I can't that, Why did you go? I can't why did you frogify? Him? I don't know. Why'd you go back in the throat with that one? I don't know. Here, here, here. <laughs> Serena. <laughs> <sighs> uh, that's chapter 60. We're so close.
1: Yeah. Yeah, We've we are. We've got three
0: more chapters of book. Book. Plus episode. Plus epilogue. other stuff.
1: Oh, there's one tiny thing yes. that I forgot to say that I think is in like 59. Where, um, when Serini has been taken captive, she hears the- her captors speaking in Fjordal? Um, no, it is actually the first chapter, 58. Okay, the point is, there's a point in these chapters where Serini hears people speaking Fjordal and she can't understand it. Isn't she supposed to be, like, number one diplomat princess who's, like, been to every kingdom? You would, How the hell does she not know Fjordal?
2: You would think she would at least know, like- the, like they're probably not saying anything that complex. they're probably like saying, like, "Put her over there. I but feel the, like that stuff that the places
0: she should... that she went to were the other kingdoms conquered by Fjordal. who all have their own like presumably before like Duo Fel and stuff like that, so I guess though so. they wouldn't be speaking right.
1: Fjordal. like I understand that she has never had diplomatic contact with the Fjordal Empire because like her her people have always essentially been like they've never had positive relations um, but it's weird that she wouldn't put in the effort to learn the language anyway because what if we could somehow solve the problem diplomatically seems like exactly the kind of thing she would have been thinking but no For, we need to have her not be able to understand the things her captors are saying because then it will be extra scary Yeah,
0: so close um This This is the best the book has been.
2: It is. I hate that about it. It is. This Um, this
1: is the best the book has been. Yeah.
2: This is the best the book has been. For sure. Thanks, Brandon. Do you think the ending (laughs) will be better
0: than this? Yeah. I don't think so. Possible. Convenient for the high point to be in the second to last episode so we don't have to, like, trudge through remembering when things were good. (laughs) (laughs) But, um... Next week we will be reading three chapters in the epilogue is that right yep and then uh grace will be there yes here Heather. yes uh, are we taking questions next week or the next week uh the next week okay so please send in your emails but yeah where should you send them export at gmail.com put elantris
2: and or arcanum in the subject line so it is easy to find pretty pretty please we don't get that many emails. It should be easy to find. <laughs> we we do, mostly because I have... I'll get like... Yeah, you have other... I have every podcast works, go to that just.
0: inbox, and, you know, yeah. I'll just like, be like,
2: yeah, anyway, I'll shut up. Uh,
0: if someone wanted to sacrifice the life of a monk to transport to where you are on the internet, Mark, where would they direct <laughs> their teleportation?
1: Uh, okay. <laughs> don't... Don't do that. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Char Blunt, and you can find my other podcast, Higgledy Piggledy Whale Statements, which is a Moby Dick podcast, at abnormalmapping.com slash whale.
0: Autumn, you could if find- you... Were a uh, former prince turned pirate and you needed to settle down and hide somewhere on the internet, where would you go? <sighs> I would go to at autumnal underscore
2: coffee on Twitter and export odd.io um, to find all my other podcasts.
0: I hear that there's some Patreon exclusive shows up on that. Yes, on the Patreon. Can Things you- like Back to the Ark, a Marvel Hornets podcast. Yeah,
2: or Godzilla's Not Dead, which we just recorded another episode of, about uh Godzilla's Counter-Attack, very good movie. That's I like that not title the title better. of the movie. I like it better. <laughs> I like it better.
0: Godzilla I like it again. The next one will be about Rodan. Yes. Who is a guy. He's just a pterodactyl. He's just a pterodactyl. He's just minding his business. He might have a beam attack. I don't know. I think he has beam attack. Kim was going to love him. <laughs> okay. Uh, Kim also has a beam attack.
2: Nora. Yes. If people were going to get on the Sea Own Superhighway <laughs> and uh, find where they could find you, <laughs> the Seals,
0: <laughs> a whole bunch of balls just was <laughs> You can find me on Twitter at either nor. You can find stuff I've done at norablake.online. You can find me on Attention Duelists or Rush Chat Radio or The War in Our Stars or Journal Updated or all the other ones that we mentioned. And coming soon to the Export Audio Podcast Network, Bag End Book Club. Uh, it'll be us two. It'll be Em
2: Jackson. Um, of abnormalmapping.com. Of abnormalmapping.com. We're recording a little episode zero intro episode today that will probably be up wi- within a couple days of this podcast going up.
0: So... Well, no one will see it until the first episode actually goes up. Though. Right, right. So okay. don't worry about that one. Uh, This podcast will go up, um, like I said, it'll be the the Wednesday after this episode goes on the Patreon, and the Wednesday before this episode goes up in the public feed. Yes. So if you're in the public feed, you don't even have to wait. You can go listen right now. You probably already heard about it. Yeah. Uh, It's going to be a good time. Yeah. Yeah, The first episode is going to be on the first half of The Hobbit. Mm -hmm. So we're going there, and then uh, the second episode will be back again. (laughs) Shut the fuck up.
1: I actually kind of liked that one. That was cute. That was was
0: cute. I like that. I'm cute. Uh,
2: Until next time, thanks, Brandon. You know what? Thanks, Brandon.
1: Thanks, Brandon. (laughs) 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 I wasn't sure about it. (laughs)